Playoffs? Playoffs? It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Wednesday evening, or maybe you're listening to the podcast on a Thursday morning, maybe Friday. We have made it past hump day, as uh, you know, the camel from the Geico commercials used to say. We've got another Philadelphia Union win. Uh, they are close to the supporters' shield, but we're not handing the supporters' shield out this year, apparently, so we're going to try to decipher that a little bit later. But in the meantime, uh, joining us to talk about Anthony Fontana, Mark McKenzie, Brendan Aronson, and everything youth and American soccer, it's Brian Sharetta from American Soccer now returning to the podcast. Brian, how you doing? Hey, Kevin. It's a thrill to be back here. It's been too long. Well, this is like your podcast. This this has you written all over it. You know, Anthony Font- <laughs> Anthony Fontana scoring goals. Brendan Aronson is going to Salzburg. Mark McKenzie is probably going somewhere sometime soon. So I was sitting here thinking, like, God, if there's ever a time to get Brian back on the show, this is it. You know. <laughs> so, so, so we talked. We uh, we did a show about five or six days ago, and we talked a lot about uh, obviously Brendan going to Salzburg, and we kind of spitballed on Mark McKenzie and where we where we thought he might be going. Um, and talked about that a lot. So let's do it in reverse. Let's go with Anthony Fontana first. He scored a sick goal the other night, a little chip outside of the right foot, kind of like a one-hop kind of, like little uh, audacious, like Clint Dempsey, he, he tries yeah. shit kind of uh, kind of finish. <laughs> so um, but, I'll just toss it to you. The floor is yours. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Fontana, I mean, what do you make of his game and where he is right now? I mean, it's very good. And you know, what's not even talk, everyone talks about the chip that he hit on that. Thing, but did you see how he knew where the defender was behind him? on the play and shielded him out, you mm-hmm. know, so it gave himself, he used his body in a way that allowed him to do that somewhat easily. Like, and it wasn't an easy thing to do, but like really that, that if he didn't position himself or, you know, there was no other way he could have done that. But what, what impressed me most was the, was, um, was how he used his body in that way to, to, to keep the defender to the defender, you know, from that side of the ball, he just shielded it. It was, it was perfect. It was a great call. I mean, look, uh, he's had six goals on the year. You toss out the the goal. Besides the goal he scored against DC United the, the game before, like every goal besides that. So five out of six goals have been like bangers. really, really high quality, like yeah. bangers, man. Like, and um, you know he's an interesting player. Um, what always, you know, what I always try to look for is is, is um, you know, when everyone can win when they're playing really, really well. But like, you know, take a guy like Paul Ariola. Like, even when he's not playing really well, what I always liked about him for D.C. is that he has, like, a beat game. He has ways he can beat you, even on, even when he's not playing that well. He'll make that extra run back. He'll cover the ground. He'll make the defensive play that he has. So, you know, I think with uh, with Anthony, the thing is, is, like, he's not always going to be scoring these goals. Um, or else he'll be at Barcelona, you know? <laughs> I mean, if he's scoring yeah. these goals at this rate. Yeah. So, it, it's going to calm down. So, so, but what way – is he still going to be able to help the team win – when he's not scoring bangers, you know, and um, that remains to be seen. Um, but look, I think with Brendan leaving um, and the, uh, and Brendan, uh, Brendan's brother Paxton probably being another year away or two years away from being a real consistent contributor to the union first team. Um, Anthony's going to have to carry a load here too. And he has the talent. He has the ability to do so. But really, I just want to see more what is he going to be like when he inevitably cools down. Can he still be a big impact player um, when he's not scoring? So that's really the key for him. I, I like his chances. I think he's a fun player to watch. I'm interested to see how he could do. And um, he uses his head out there, too. So, you know, he, 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 it's going to take some work. But I think the, there, there could be a, a nice finished product right there. 
Yeah, he's got that just natural nose for goal. You know, that mm-hmm. like goal-scoring uh, killer instinct that you're just kind of born with. You know, in a way, it's kind of like – he reminds mm-hmm. me a lot, actually, of like Roland Alberg, who was with the Union for a couple of years, who – you know, it's funny because yeah. when Anthony came into the league, we didn't really know if he was like a 10 or if he was an 8. We thought he was a mm-hmm. tweener. He's playing at the tip of the diamond in a four four two. I think he's got a lot of qualities as like a second striker where he yeah. just kind of knows how to like dart into the box at the right time. And you kind of alluded to that when you're saying like, you know, he, he can feel the defender behind him. He sort of has a good like spatial awareness of, of where yeah. he needs to be. Um, he does a lot of Clint Dempsey kind of stuff. I think mm-hmm. I don't want to make these ridiculous comparisons, but I mean, I mean, he did the the games. I'm I'm not saying he is Clint Dempsey, but the the game and the style is similar. So we yeah. were talking a little bit about. And it's fun even to maybe, watch. You know, it's worth the. You know, it's fun to watch. And, and and there's something to be said about guys who can do who can who can. You know, he's another guy too that with that European passport of his. You know, he's another guy that you know if he sees Brendan going, he sees Mark going, and and he wants to make that move. Um, Philadelphia success in Philadelphia is is that ticket to doing so. Um, and uh, you know what I like about it too is is like um, and then the last time I was on the show or two times ago we talked about Andrew Wooten, mm-hmm. um, you know coming in and um, you know and, and I was wrong like I thought he was going to score all these goals for 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 Philadelphia and he, he's not a goal scoring machine but like you know what I like about it is is that he's been able to be effective when he's not scoring too like there's been times where the, the curtains found a way to get him to be an important part of the player to be an important part of the attack, even when he's not scoring. So, you know, Curtin's been really able to, um, you know, find ways for guys to be, be successful, even when they're not scoring. So like, I think he's in a good environment and it's going to be, um, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be, um, Fontana certainly one I'm really looking forward to watching. Hey, look, um, forget talking about the, the the next year i mean this year you know he could be he could uh, <laughs> a lot of silverwares on, on the, i don't want to be dismissive of this season based on what the union are doing this is this is this is fun times when there's so many players to talk about it's 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 really something yeah you know vooten's interesting because he does have four assists he doesn't have a single goal yeah. he's got four assists and the the assist leaders are aronson with five and jamiro montero with five and, you know, Anthony Fontana is second on the team with six goals in like 400 minutes. So it's not yeah. like, it's like all these guys are kind of buying into the system. They've mm-hmm. committed to it. Like, you know what you're supposed to do. I mean, hell, they were on their fourth defensive midfielder who was just a center back, Jack Elliott, that they pulled up yeah. from who hasn't played defensive mid since he was at West Virginia. Yeah. Um, you know, and he comes in and he does well. So I, I do feel like in a weird way, the parts are interchangeable, which makes me feel like, Brandon leaving isn't going to hurt them all that much because Anthony's there, Paxton's no. there, like you said. So I mean, it's just kind of like <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, just, I mean, everybody knows what they're supposed to do. You know, and, and look, I, I didn't think Brendan played particularly well um, against New England. Um, wasn't a really good game, to be honest with you. But um, but still, you know, it, it, it's it's winning when you when you don't play well and, and still having your effect. Like I think Brendan's a very good player and just very smart and and, and he. And I think it's really, um, you know, his success in Europe will be the union success, not just in the sell-on fee, but just really in terms of being able to prepare, you know, someone, you know, and watch, watching Salzburg today, I know they drew because they had bad goalkeeping today in the Champions League, but that's yeah. a fun team to watch too. Um, yeah. And going from Curtin to Marsh and, you know, and those two guys are, are friends from their Chivas USA days too. Um uh, you know, and they kind of come from the same coaching family and tree and stuff like that too. It, 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 um, I think uh, with Brendan, it's 
he's poised for success there. And, and like I said, Fontana is the, is the next guy, um, the next guy up, um, really. And, and hopefully, you know, you've seen Matt Real make some, make some yeah. strides too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, when he first came up, like I thought he was all over the place and, and um, you know, left back and, and I, and I knew playing time wasn't going to be quick, but you know, when I was always talking to people around the USU 20 team, Tab himself who made that real captain, they did that for a reason because, you know, he's a, he's a smart guy and, um, uh, and he's a great team player, but, but, you know, and, and as much as a credit that is to Matt, it's also a credit to the union too, with the young players that they do bring in and end up promoting up through their system. They all seem to be, and I, I mean, I'm sure you've talked to these guys too. McKenzie was the, was the, was the, um, the world cup captain uh, last mm-hmm. year for the 20 team. Like these are all guys who, who are just respected on and off the field, these young players too. So, you know, the more you follow this game, um, you know, the more you realize that like, you know, talent can only bring you so far. It's really, you know, it, it, you know, it's your mentality and, and being a first, a, a good person too, willing to learn and being humble. And you mean, it's just, it's just a culture that they got, that they breed with these young players too. And, and, and I, and I think I'm looking forward to speaking with Fontana for an extended interview this week. Cause I, I've heard the same thing. You know, it just mm-hmm. fit, he fits that mold. Yeah, it's interesting because I think Jim would tell you, Jim Curran would tell you that the one thing he's learned the most over the years is that it's just as much about like the off-field stuff, building relationships oh. with these guys. You read uh, Alex Ferguson's book. He talks about going to talk to parents and just developing relationships with these guys. And that was more important than anything they ever did on the field because they just bought in, they trusted him, mm-hmm. and they, they wanted to play for him, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that's what they're doing uh, with and- these young guys who come through the system. And you know what it is too is 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 what makes the union doing so well, and why I think that they're the best uh, team in the league in terms of youth development is because they have guys like Jim. You know, has known this young core since they were all like twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old. Yeah. yeah. What motivates them? When you have to when you know how to treat these players as opposed to bringing in some some stranger from Europe who might be a wizard back in his own country with the, with, um, with youth development and have like a long you know track record of success. Like a guy like Rafa Wicky, you know, a guy who comes over and not saying he's going to do poorly in Chicago, but he's behind the curve because he doesn't know these players. But when you have a guy who's turning into a great coach, like Jim knows the players like that automatically gives him such a great edge in, in youth development because, you know, he knows these players and, you know, and, I, uh, and to compare to another team, even though they don't have the track record for success, like take Io Akinola. He's a young player that I had questions about, you know, uh, you know, his fitness and stamina and whether he could keep the weight off and, and all these other things. And, and, and I, um, and, uh, and with the, you know, and I think that was a big reason why he, you know, he's injured. And at the same point, I think they wanted to dismiss him from the USU 20 world cup team in 2019. But, you know, you look at it this year and, and now he's fit, he's playing, he has eight goals, I think on the year. Don't hold me to that, but I think, I think that sounds about right. Cause he had five in MLS's back. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, and he, when I spoke to him too, you know, he knew Greg Vanny knew how to handle the situation because Greg Vanny knew him from when he was uh, 13, 14 a problem and also emotionally deal someone too and that's such a big part of youth but then when you get like what the union do whatever works right now with um with you know with the off the field development and um and identifying the right kind of kids because and they're gonna go overseas and do well you know it's you know you don't want to single anybody out but you might as well like breck shea really struggled with that he came up well breck, you know, breck came up and when he went over yeah. to england and 
Yeah, but was anyone when you look back on it? You know, Beckham. You've seen him over the time. You see him struggle overseas. Is anyone surprised? You know, no, it's like, but no. like, yeah, you, know, you just feel like we're sending over. Like, I mean, look at look at the quality of people that we're sending over to Europe. Not just players like Tyler Adams. I mean, that's the captain of the national team right there. Or mm-hmm. He should be. You know, these are all just Weston McKennie. These are all just like really good people too. And you can see that they ooze discipline and, and good character and and, and everything. And, and, you know, there's a reason why these guys are also succeeding, too. When we sent talented players over there to Europe before, that haven't done well. So, yeah, I mean, culture right now is, is very good, you know, in setting kids up for, you know, to maximize their talent. And, um, you know, and that's why I said someone always said to me about Matt Real. I don't know what his ceiling is, but whatever it is, he's going to hit it, you know. And that's about the best thing you can say to a player and about a player. And, and that's, it's the same way with all those union guys. So speaking of um, speaking of ceilings, I, I love Mark McKenzie. Um, I can't say enough about him. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm I feel like I'm biased because I played center back my entire life. So I'm like Mike Mayock. <laughs> I'm like Mike Mayock at, at analyzing every guy in the draft. Where this guy's amazing, that guy's amazing, this guy's awesome. But I feel like specially connected to a center back because you know it's just the position you grew up playing and you and you watch more. I, I don't. I, I um, what, what, what is you know, the Celtic rumor was out there. I don't like a Celtic move. Um, I would prefer for him to go somewhere else. But I, I, yeah. what, what, do you think, what do you think happens with Mark McKenzie in the next, like, 1.5 years? What's a preferred destination for him? And, and where do you see him being in, in when 2022 comes around? You know, unfortunately, with the way restrictions are with, with American players, um, you know, uh, with non-EU citizens like Mark, he doesn't have a foreign passport. Like, a guy like Fontana can go anywhere. Um, you know, you know, there, it, it's, it's a little limited really. I mean, you can go to Austria, Belgium, uh, Denmark, and then Germany is obvious. That's the reason why Germany's been home to so many American players. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Scotland, they have the work restrictions, but it's easier there than England. The, for the UK board in, in Scotland is, is easier than England. And I, I don't know, I necessarily know the rules for post Brexit after next year or, still to be determined. So maybe England becomes you know, more, more open, but you know, it's going to be one of those countries. Um, you know, I think Germany uh, is going to, cause I think Aronson will move to Germany eventually. You know, he's not going to be in, in um, Austria too long. And um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the German teams are going to start seeing more and more see, see American success. And when they start saying, okay, we want to get the next good American player because they're all performing well in the Bundesliga, who's doing well. You know, they all think like that. And, and McKenzie's at the top of the list, really, when you look at, like, you know, I know that MLS is doing, like, their 22 under 22 or whatever the, whatever it is. And, and um, you know, after Brian Rodriguez, I think Mark is going to be number two. I think he, yeah. if, he has, if it isn't out yet, it, I'd, I'd be surprised <laughs> if it isn't. We've come a long way with, the, with that story every year. I mean, it used to be, like, slim pickings, and now it's like they don't know who to put in there. Yeah, you know, it's like you're, you're choosing guys who, like, you know, who score who start and score goals. They're not even making the list anymore. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Mark yeah. is obviously good. But the problem is, you know, the thing is, is also that there's a lot of really good athletic center backs in Europe right now. There are, um, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're so good right now. And even if he's French kids that they have and just coming up through league two and youth levels, they're, it's it's a good position right now in in large swaths of of Europe. So, you know, there's, it's going to be competitive. It's going to be more competitive for Mark than it is for a guy like Brendan because you know 
Brendan plays a position that everyone needs, and there's always a lot of high turnover. Everyone needs like three or four Brendans out there. And, like, and he's two center backs. They play to like they're. He's two years younger too, yeah. and like it, it doesn't seem like much, but that's like yeah. an etern- eternity. And in, in, well, in yeah, and like center backs, it's weird because they all play till they're like 34, 34 years old anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 if guys can start with, and they all and, and there's generally you don't get subbed out if you're center back. I mean, you do sometimes, but it's 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 a lot rarer. So you you know you the backup center backs tend not to get rotated out too much, and you know and that, and that's why you know it's a tough position to make it in Europe right now. I mean, you know, especially at high levels. And I think even when you see like Chris Richards, everyone's really excited like about like him making a couple appearances for Bayern Munich, and that's a great accomplishment, by the way. But you know. Where I, I still don't know where the consistent minutes are going to be there for Chris Richards, and mm-hmm. you know it's going to be, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's tough no matter what. But look, Mackenzie's look. I, I'm not. I, I I would always. I'm not. I'm not going to bet against Mark's success. I think someone will figure it out because look, look at Mark, Matt Miazga. Every place he walks into on like his fifth or sixth loan now, he starts. You know, and he started for some really good teams. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I, I grew up here in the northern Jersey area, and I watched Matt play a long time. And, and, and Mark, you know, is, is, you know, best 11 kind of an MLS player like Matt was when he left. So, you know, the, if you have all those teams wanting to play Matt Miazga, you're going to have all these teams wanting to play Mark McKenzie. I only have two more for you. Um, one is a question and one is kind of a take. And uh, I, have, I have a strange Mark McKenzie take. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm trying to round it out and make it a, make it a better take, a better opinion, and try to like bolster it and reinforce it. So I'll run it by you and you tell me what you think. Um, I just can't shake this idea that I would love to see Mark McKenzie play in Serie A. And um, it's based on the fact that I think he's a fantastic passer I think he reads the game really well. Um, I think the Italian game is more deliberate. The center backs have time on the ball. It's not really like a pressing league. It's it's a little less physical than other leagues. I really think like with good Italian tactical coaching, he could really flourish there. I know it sounds strange to send a young black man to Italy, you know, when they've had problems with racism and whatnot. So we'll put that on the side and just look at the mm-hmm. soccer part of it. But I don't know. I just like see like if if he like imagine him. I know Nesta, I think, is coached in the second level in Italy. But can you imagine, like, Mark McKenzie playing under Nesta or something like that? I just feel like I just feel like he could grow a lot in Italy. Is that a stupid take? Is that a reasonable? No, no, it's like you're right in a way where it comes. Look, I'm very familiar. I'm a dual Italian citizen myself, so (laughs) um, you know it is a. it, it, It depends. You know, you have to find a coach you're really comfortable in with, um, and uh, you know, and I would want him to go there but i want the team that go him that where he goes to to pay a lot of money for him because if you pay a lot of money for him you're gonna get a shot like no one's gonna sit on like no one's gonna bench someone right away you have to justify yeah i'm not a fan of free transfers and especially if it's a risky one like you said like you know and forget like you know i know you were bringing the racial topics but let's just say I, i i honestly know that there's like there is a stigma for just Americans in that league. Like, yeah. you know, they just like, you know, perception follows reality and everything in life. Okay. The reality could be different, but like perception will lag behind that. It doesn't matter. Soccer, pop culture, music, anything, but like, you know, in Italy, it lags further behind. So they will be the last ones to understand that Americans can play soccer. They, they will be the last people on the face of the earth to understand <laughs> Americans can play soccer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, and, um, 
and it's funny too just a side note you know Pellegrino Matarazzo here in um uh he, he's coach at Stuttgart mm-hmm. and he's and he's from New Jersey he's the only American in, in a manager in a, in a in a top managing a top flight team um he's in the Bundesliga and he went to high school here all the way he didn't leave he went they went to Columbia University <laughs> you know he has his parents are from Italy but but he never really lived there he speaks fluent Italian he goes there to visit but you know he's from New Jersey like if you read any kind of article about Stuttgart and how like they were miraculously guided to promotion they always talk about the Italian manager the Italian manager you know and it's like it's like the guys I mean Fairlawn's here in New Jersey guys it's not <laughs> but anyway uh there are, but there are some people who get it but the problem is is like they go through man, all these teams managers every yeah, it's two seasons, and yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and you're right. Nesta's at Frozoni, and, and um, they have Novakovic is there, an American, and um, uh, but yeah, I think um, he could do well in the right situation, but he has to be confident that the, the manager who likes him so much is going to be there for a period of time. Uh, you know, he has to understand that like it is so rigid tactically, and among a lot of those league teams, look, the top teams like Juventus, they're they're almost non-Italian teams. They're more European teams. Like, um, you know, when you go outside of those big teams and you get into like the Italian teams and that, that is, um, that is a, that's a different brand of soccer. And um, look, he could do well, but I would, he would, I would tell him right away that you're going to want a team to have a team pay you like, pay a, a no no less than five million euros for for you as a transfer fee or else they're just feel like they're taking a flyer and yeah one bad yeah. game you're you're on the bench on because the bench. they can afford to put you there well and i think to segue into the final question which is about brendan uh we made the point on the last podcast of like look six million dollars plus incentives and a sell oh, for fee. austria Huge. yeah yeah i mean that's massive and like you know so you're not going to two bad starts he's not going to be on the bench because you got to justify to the fans like mm-hmm. why the why the hell did you pay this much money for this american kid if he's not going right. to play you know so i think my biggest takeaway from the move obviously we, we knew it was an obvious move because of jesse marsh because of ernst tanner's mm-hmm. connection there because of the pipeline to leipzig the red bull system he's familiar with right i was i would personally i was stunned that they got that much money for him yeah um I don't know if that was your biggest takeaway, um, but just give me just sort of your thoughts on, on what you made of the, the whole move in general. I think it's a brilliant move because for one, these guys, there's always a constant inflow and outflow of players, you know, like, um, you know, just lat Brett, Jesse Marsh sold. I forget. I can't, not just early Holland in the middle of last year, but like, and they had the Liverpool sale and then they sold the center back to Wolfsburg and, and like two others. Like there's always such an inflow of outflow of players that like, and, and, and they have one of the best, they have some of the best youth teams, U19 teams in, in, in the world. Like that's how loaded this team is with talent. So you're going to have to always compete against young players, but you know, they're, they're going to be in their way out in their way into the team, out of the team. And there's always going to be a heavy flow of turnovers. What I like about it too is like, you know, Salzburg is so good that there's so much, but he's going to get confidence there because a lot of the teams that he's going to face, not in the champions league, but when you get to the Austrian Bundesliga, they're going to be worse than like, than, than dude, like LAFC. And, dude, and did Seattle. you see, I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you see Corey Burke's hat trick that he scored in Austria? Yeah. It looked the, good. It was like the worst. It was, it had to be the worst. Defense is option. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 
But like, look at all, look at look at Salzburg. They had like plus seventy six goal differential last year. They scored one hundred and ten <laughs> goals in thirty two games. Like, the yeah. chances are going to be there. Like, like the Austrian Red Bull Salzburg is a great team, great youth teams. That league is not what like teams of that caliber. So they're just going to go in there. You know, if you want, it's almost going to be like you know. They're, they're up for nothing a lot of games, like by the 60th minute. And then they just get to try things out and stuff like that too. And I mean, it's a chance just to, you know, if things aren't going your way, you know, you, you're going to eventually figure it out because your next opponent is not going to be Juventus, you know, in your league, your next opponent's not going to be Bayern Munich or Dortmund or Leipzig or, you know, or Chelsea or, you know, it, it, it's, you're going to play against St. Colton or like, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's a very, yeah. If he could do well in MLS, he's 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 got a chance to do well in the Austrian Bundesliga. But at the same point, nothing's going to be handed to him because the internal competition is going to be a lot harder than the competition that he faces on the field in the league. You know, mm-hmm. Champions League's different. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, on that sense, he's – and having Jesse – Jesse's only going to be there like the first six months. I think Jesse's, go, Jesse's out of there after this year. Where do you think, where do you think he goes? I was just losing you for a sec there on your iPhone. Did you say Germany? You thought he was going to go to Germany? Yeah, I think he's going to go to Germany. Okay. I think he's going to go to a Bundesliga team. No, I think I think he can go to a, like a like a, a high up Bundesliga team, um, a, a team that contends for a European spot. Yeah. Um, because he's 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 checking all the boxes along the way. I mean, and, and you know, most importantly with Jesse is not that he's winning in Austria, but that he's developing young players. Like yeah. he's already managed Erling Holland. Like how many people, I mean, you know, yeah. he, he checks the boxes of like unbelievable players that he's managed. I mean, he's managed like, you know, you know, a hundred million dollar player now in Holland and, and other players that are really good and sought after by really big teams. Uh, Liverpool. And he's the manager. So yeah. he's proven with not just winning, but he can win with the talent that you're going to get in the Bundesliga um, or you want to bring into the Bundesliga. So I think Jesse's gone. Um, he would be the if he comes back next year, he'd be the first manager to to return for a third season at Salzburg in twenty five years or something like that. So, you know, they're, they're, everyone knows he's good, but the first six months for a player to move to Europe are always the hardest. So, um, on and off the field. So, this is an important time for for Aronson to go and ingrain himself for whatever that next manager will be. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think it's a great move. It's it's more about internal competition, but on the field in the Austrian Bundesliga, that's a good place to really ratchet up your confidence. I mean, because you, you're not going to be going – the daily grind is not going to be going, like I said, from you're not going to be playing, you know, Dortmund one week, then the next week Bayern Munich. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, 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 yeah. it's a lot lower than that. Yeah, you're going from like uh, Sturm Graz to like uh, – Lask. Lask is about as good as it gets. <laughs> and, you know, Wolfsburger and, you know, St. Yeah. Paulton. You know, yeah. it's yeah. – it's, uh, it's um, you know, it, 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 chances are he's playing against tougher teams in this league week in week out. But like I said, the internal competition is going to be the toughest thing for him. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a great situation. It's, it's an exciting time for uh, Philadelphia Union and MLS fans. And uh, the next time we do this, we'll uh, maybe we'll both wear mm-hmm. uh, Red Bull Salzburg jerseys <laughs> while we do it. Brian Sharetta from uh, American Soccer. Now, Brian, thanks for coming on again, man. I appreciate thanks, it. And we'll have to do this uh, again next year when the next uh, Philadelphia Union youth player goes on to score a bunch of bangers in a short amount of time. <laughs> I can't wait, man. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> All right, thanks. Let's see. All right, let's see what we got in the way of questions, comments, and concerns. I also asked if you'd like to share your favorite Peppa Pig character. 
Uh, I think I've seen uh, every episode at least 10 times now, maybe 15 or 20. I think that's probably the case for most dads with young daughters. My daughter calls it puppy, uh, puppy. She doesn't know how to say peppy yet. So she just, uh, she like reaches into my pocket for my, my, uh, phone and she says puppy. And that means she wants to watch, uh, Peppa Pig. But anyway, on to more important things. Um, Eric says, are you worried about players getting burned out in the playoffs? I like that Jim is going for the best record and all, but I think he could give Cashper and, uh, Montero and, uh, Bedoya more breaks. Yeah, for sure. Um, but look, they've been playing a lot of games as it is. I mean, if, if they aren't burned out, they normally you would have been burned out by now, you know, playing every three or four days for something like a couple weeks now. So, uh, you know, I think they'd be, I think they'd be okay. I think they'll be all right. Um, Silver Ray, who gets shipped first, Oravets or Vooten? Or does Tanner double, uh, triple down and bring either of them back next year? Yeah, Oravets is just a weird case. I don't know. I, th- I feel like this is something where if I was still covering the team, I would be able to give you a better answer and have my ear to the ground and kind of have a feeling on that. But they, they weren't, I think they always kind of considered him a project coming in. I know personally that um, they were a little, th- that... This was more like Ernst's thing. I think Jim was still interested in having Harris back um, for another year. Um, didn't think that he necessarily had to do that right away, but um, obviously the kid's not ready. I don't know what the issue is, but but Vooten, I don't think they need to bring him back. I think I've seen enough of him for now. I know I pointed out earlier in the show that he had the four assists or whatever, but uh, you know he's not. I don't think he's giving you anything more than Corey Burke would right now. Uh, Will says, I wonder how many teams, uh, other teams in MLS can have their first three options at defensive bid unavailable and still look very solid defensively. I know it's crazy, isn't it? Jack Elliott, Warren Carvalho, Bedoya played back there. Martinez hasn't been there because of the ridiculous, uh, you know, thing with FIFA forcing him to leave and you're forcing the union to let him go, I should say. And, and then he has to come back and quarantine and all that nonsense. But yeah, again, I think, like I said to Brian, it's just kind of a, a testament to their system. The fact that they can plug and play a lot of these guys and they have talented dudes who can cover multiple roles. And if everybody else is on the team is doing what they're doing um, and playing a team game, then they don't, they don't need Jack Elliott to be an all-star um, at defensive mid. He just has to go in there, put in a steady shift and get the job done. They don't need Alejandro Bedoya to be a stud at defensive mid, just go in there and get the job done because Anthony Fontana and Brendan Aronson and other guys are, are stepping up. You know, it's a sign of a good team. Their stats are always so like evenly distributed. You know, <laughs> the leading goal scorer has like seven goals and it's like six and four and it's like three, 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 three. Um, you know, and the assists, you know, they don't have anybody who has more than five assists this year and they've got a ton of goals. So it's just, it's just crazy how, it, I mean, that's a sign of a good team, you know, when you have such an equal distribution like that, you know, uh, this is from Mike. He says, uh, if the shield isn't awarded, it's a slap in the face to both the players and fans who have truly bought into this season and taken the competition as serious as ever. Uh, to suggest that people don't understand the nuance or context of the 2020 season is ridiculous. And he says that his favorite uh, Peppa Pig character is Daddy Pig. Um, yeah, so God, listen, the supporter shield thing. I mean, what a mess, right? Um, so the, uh, try to sum it up the best I can. The, the, the there is a, um, a supporters shield uh, foundation. Uh, which is a group that's appointed by the ISC, which is the Independent uh, Supporters Council. And there's like five jabronis on this foundation, I think, right? And um, the S.H.I.E.L.D. Foundation, they kind of oversee like the awarding of the the trophy every year, right? Um, The S.H.I.E.L.D. itself 
was uh, created. You know, it was it wasn't. It's not an MLS thing. The Supporter Shield is is a supporters creation. Like in the early league years, like ninety um, in ninety eight or ninety nine, I think they did. I don't think they did it for the first two seasons, but. Um, you know, there was like, like Phil Shane, I think, put money into it. A bunch of people raised money to get this, get this like trophy made, which is pretty. It was pretty cool. It's a pretty organic kind of thing. So it's something to be said for like an independent group and a council overseeing it, um, and and having it be independent from MLS. Okay, so that's one thing. But the administration of it and like five jabronis deciding that they don't want to award it this year because there aren't fans in the stands or because the schedule is really unbalanced. It's just like. I, you know, it's 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 bullshit to me because it's it's the supporter shield always comes with an asterisk anyway. So if you either once you have an asterisk, there's always going to come into question. I don't think it matters how big the asterisk is. Um, you know, the union, for example, had to play the revs like four times or five times, and the revs are the fifth place team. You know, so they actually had a tougher schedule than other people. Toronto doesn't even you know has been playing in Hartford, right? So. Um, I don't see. I I think what I'm what I'm trying to say with my take on it is is that just because you have this crazy thing, there's no fans there. The schedule is really 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 skewed. I don't think that takes away the accomplishments of Toronto, or Philadelphia, or Seattle. Yeah, it doesn't make what they what they might achieve any less amazing, or doesn't mean that they've busted their ass any less to get to where they are. Um, so that so I think you award it like you always do. We put an asterisk on it like we always do. The asterisk is a little bit bigger. And we just we note that. Yeah, you know, we make a notation of that. I mean that's what that's what we do as journalists and writers and you know, historians and stuff like that. Say, hey, this was a funky season. But you know, that doesn't mean that these guys didn't achieve something. So I think it's shit. Jim Curtin thinks it's shit. Greg Vanny thought it was shit. Josie Altador thought it was shit. I mean I haven't found I, I honestly God, I haven't found found anybody that thinks it's a good decision outside of the five uh, doofuses, right? So doesn't that tell you all you need to know? Uh, this is from John Turley. He says, no question. I just wanted to point out that Miss Rabbit is clearly the best character because she keeps that town running. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, also, they need a better minimum wage because she shouldn't have to work that many jobs. Yeah, I think one of my daughter's favorite episodes is when uh, Miss Rabbit like sprains her ankle or something like that. And so they, they try to like cover her, you know, fill in for her for the day, but she does like 400 jobs. She, she like drives the bus. She's like the emergency crew. She's like comes res- rescues you in the helicopter. She like uh, is the cashier of the grocery store and runs like every food stand. So, uh, Miss Rabbit, you are the real MVP as a, a Philadelphia union investor, Kevin Durant would say, um, Way off sides says after the last six or so games, Fontana appears to have a decisiveness and a finishing ability in front of goal that not even our current strikers have. We've talked about how well Fontana might do as a second striker thoughts. And he says that he can fill in for Russ on this one. It would be pepper pig for words that end today. Yeah. You know, we got a little bit into the second striker thing with Brian and, um, I mean, it's interesting. What, what do you, what, what is, what is a second striker? Like a withdrawn forward, right? They're not really a number two. 10 they're not really a playmaker but they're not really like a f- necessarily a forward I, th- I think when you when you think of like a classic uh second striker i think i gave the clint dempsey example that's a that's a good example he was always good playing off another guy like you think like four four one one kind of formation where you have a bona fide striker and then kind of like that like hybrid tweener roland alberg was a second striker um 
you know, for a more modern day um, example, like I don't know if you guys watch uh, Inter Milan, but like Lautaro Martinez, he would be a second striker probably. Um, Francesco Totti, uh, you know, did that did that role forever. Dennis Bergkamp was a second striker, but he just Anthony Fontana is making these ghost runs, these late runs from a number ten position with two strikers in front of him. So I wonder if you play him as a striker, as a withdrawn striker. Um, you know, if his if his runs are different, if the spacing is different, if the recognition is different, because he's not coming necessarily as the third or fourth man in, but as the second man in sometimes. Um, so that would be interesting. But I, I think you could run so you could run something like Casper Shabilko, Anthony Fontana right behind him, Brendan at the ten, Jamiro, Bedoya, and uh, Brujo behind them. I mean, you could you could do that to get all of them on the on the field if you wanted, and put Sergio Santos on the bench instead. Um, that's something interesting to think about. Um, Super Wentz says, say we do finish at the top of the table and qualify for the CONCACAF Champions League, would you rather win MLS Cup or the CCL? Um, oh, my God, I would rather win the CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah, can you imagine um, Philadelphia Union in the Club World Cup? <laughs> it's like Philadelphia Union versus Bayern Munich versus like uh, – who won the African League? Like it's always like uh, that Egyptian team, isn't it? Or like the Tunisian team, like Esperance or uh, or whoever the hell. I got I got to look that up, but that'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Like Philadelphia Union versus <laughs> Bayern Munich, or like uh, you know the Kashima Antlers or some shit, right? So um, Dave, Bur- it would be harder to explain to locals like what the hell the the um, the CCL is, but MLS Cup would probably be easier to explain to the four for four types, right? Uh, Dave Burt says Harris Madunia is becoming a fond memory. Uh, seems like we have some center backs plus Jamiro who can hit some nice passes he used to hit. Do you agree or disagree? Um, I do agree. Yeah, well, I agree that they have a lot of they do have creativity and they have um, some guys who can do some some really good things in that department. I think what Harris gave you was just sort of sustained possession and it's kind of some some on ball possession and um, chance creation from that way. You know, they don't hold the balls nearly as much as they used to because they're more of a transition and counterattacking and, t- and turnover, pounce on turnover kind of team. You know, I think I think they always had, with Harris, I always liked how they would sit there and sort of like around like the 50th or 60th minute just kind of grab the game by the throat, like just boss possession and uh, knock the ball around like they're Atalanta or something like that, right? So who, who won me a lot of money today, by the way? Um, if you took that, my free betting advice, you can send them the commission or the royalties check to, to Lansdale. I'll pick it up. Um, but yeah, I, I, I miss Harris. I don't think the team does necessarily. That would be my answer. Um, Dr. Strange dupe says is Saturday's match against Toronto, the biggest in club history. I think it would be hard to dethrone Red Bull playoff game from last year. Yeah. Red Bull playoff game, Atlanta regular season game last year. I would say, uh, Trey says, I just moved out of Fishtown myself. What do you miss the most about living there? Uh, being able to walk to like great restaurants, Loco Pez and Bottle Bar East and, uh, you know, Evil Genius was walking distance and whatnot. So, and, you know, you are kind of isolated in the suburbs. You see your neighbors, but they're like a hundred yards away from me. So you just wave and say, uh, we'll come introduce ourselves when we get all the boxes unpacked. Right. But it's not really like you shout across the street to your, you know, you don't feel as in, in tune with your neighbors maybe as you, as you would in the, in the city. So, um, Matty B says, couldn't MLS keep a tighter schedule if they kept things regional like this year, uh, split the league in four? 
uh, like the NHL and cut down on travel, schedule more midweek games, shorten the length of the schedule while keeping the same number of games. The best games are regional rivals anyway. Yeah, you know, it's intriguing. I love the fact that I can come, you know, I can sit there every three or four days and watch the union play. You know, I don't have to sit there and wait like seven uh, d- days between games and like lose, you know, lose the luster, right? I mean, you, it shouldn't be that spaced out. It shouldn't have to be a eight month or nine month season, you know, but you know, on the flip side, I don't, I don't want to see the union play the Red Bulls and the revolution five times each. You know, I want to see the union play LAFC. I want to see him play the galaxy. I want to see him play Portland and Seattle. I still think you have those marquee matchups, but I don't know, like four divisions or something like that could work. I mean, I, I do like the NHL idea. I think it's something to build on for sure. Um, Nick's favorite, uh, Peppa Pig characters, Miss Rabbit who balances 47 jobs. Um, let me see another Oravets question. I don't know. I gotta, I gotta look into that and see what I can find out. Um, Lay Tuper says there needs to be a segment pondering, uh, what may be in Tommy's onion bag and whether it's the secret to his keen awareness and astute observations. Yeah. Listen, I just, Oh man. Uh, Tommy Smith, right? Look, um, it's my understanding, um, that he will not be back next year. Um, so I will try to, follow up on that and see if I can get that confirmed. And look, I don't mean to dunk on the guy. It's, it's never anything personal, um, with me or, or, you know, anything that we say about anybody, anybody, it's not personal on, on the show, but, um, like union fans deserve to have a guy, a guy who actually gives a shit and like does some kind of research, watches some film, gives them something. Cause he, he's just packing it in. He, he doesn't even give a shit. He shows up to the game, just starts talking and he freestyles. Like he, the other the other night in the game they were playing Jack Elliott as a D mid, you know, because they didn't have anybody else. And Tommy said something to the effect effect of like, well, they are they're it looks like they're playing with two center backs right now. Well, like no fucking shit. Like they're playing Elliott at D mid because they don't have anybody else. So it was Mackenzie and Glessness at center back, and it was Elliott D mid. Everybody knew what the hell was going on, but he didn't do any research. He didn't do any homework. Couldn't be arsed to like actually give a shit and like look into what was happening. So he makes a dumb comment like that. You know, he doesn't he doesn't offer anything. That there's there's more to the story. I hope it will come out at some point, and um, uh, we'll 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 have to see. We'll have to save that for later. I, I promise I'll I'll do more on that later. Um. Okay, here's the last one. This is from Vincent. He says we've been noticing that Casper is out wide a lot the last few games, and wondering what uh, that's about. I don't think Tommy has picked up on well. Yeah, uh, your thoughts, Casper uh, out wide? I don't know. I, I don't really think I've noticed that. But if it is, it's good because it means that he's going there to to find the ball, you know, and he's not just hanging on the back shoulder or waiting for the game to come to him and he's going to find the game. I think he's been at his best when he'll sort of come. He doesn't really go to the touchline, um, but he'll sort of come up in a high channel and get on the ball and, and play the ball back and kind of link up and get people involved and stuff like that. And I think that's, that helps him get warmed up. And, uh, you know, when he's doing that, it, it, that, that's what lets Fontana make those runs in behind too. Cause every, every time that somebody pulls out wide or pulls up forward, the center backs have to address the, the, the next run that's coming in. So uh, any kind of movement anywhere helps, I think. You know, I think he's been he's been decent enough the last couple of games. All right, that's it. So we got the Union in Toronto, huge game coming up. Uh, glad to be able to do two podcasts in a week, and uh, we'll get the ball rolling again. It's uh, always soccer in Philadelphia, whether you like it or not.